Hi, I'm Henrietta Ricks. And I'm Orna McCluskey, and we are the founders of Rixo. We started Rixo over five years ago from our university living room, and it's been such a journey since. With no outside funding or investment, we've made every decision together and still control 100% of the business. This has allowed us to keep the brand to its core values, and we've had some serious highs, lows, and a lot of laughs along the way. We decided to start the podcast so that we could take you behind the scenes and share the more intimate moments that you don't see on Instagram or read about in the press. We hope the podcast will inspire any budding entrepreneurs out there to take a first step, keep going and never look back. This podcast is sponsored by Space NK. Space NK is the go-to destination for worldwide beauty discovery, creating the world's most in-demand brands like Charlotte Tilbury, Drunk Elephant and NARS with the icons of the future. Whether you visit Space NK online or in-store, their beauty advisors are devoted to offering well-informed, unbiased beauty advice and product recommendations tailored to each and every customer. Thanks so much for tuning in to our fourth episode. Today we're talking about dreaming big. While it can be hard at times to dream big, it is, as Pablo Picasso said, everything you imagine is real. After such a tough year with COVID-19 and with lots of brands having to shut their doors, we wanted to give an insight into how we've navigated our own way through the last five years and how we've adapted to the changing times. On this episode, we're really excited to be speaking to Emma Simpson-Scott, the Chief Marketing Officer of Space NK. Having worked at some of the most prestigious and globally renowned beauty brands, including L'Oreal Paris and Maybelline, Prior to joining Space NK in 2016, Emma has a vast amount of experience within the beauty industry. As Chief Marketing Officer, she oversees the creative, content, marketing, visual merchandising, PR and social teams, leading the creation and implementation of multi-channel brand and product marketing strategies. Hi Emma, thanks so much for joining our Dream Big episode. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> we'll probably jump straight in and talk about COVID. So obviously it's a topic that everyone's been talking about for the past year. Um, and it'd be really interesting to know how COVID-19 affected your approach to business and how you adapted strategies at Space NK. Gosh, so COVID, if I think back sort of a year from now, I still it's still a bit of a pinch me moment. I don't think we ever truly thought we would be closing our stores, walking out of the office. I very much felt, it'll just be a week or two. Things will turn back to normal. It's going to be okay. And uh, the day that we sort of closed our stores, all 75 of them, it didn't really feel real. It was like 75 stores to close down. What is what is going to happen? How are we going to get through this? And I think that sort of full cycle of emotion that you go through in terms of like, oh, I'm at home, I'm on my own. And then it's like, okay, no, my team are here on Zoom. And it's like working out where everyone is and sort of adapting to bringing that feeling of togetherness, even though we're all sort of in different places um, and working in different ways or going through different things in our lives. Um, So, yeah, I think for me, when we went into sort of the COVID, I went through that initial stage fright. You come out of crisis mode. Yeah. We've closed the stores what now? Such uncertainty. It is. And you kind of go through those sort of basic sort of needs and wants in life in terms of like, am I okay? Is my family okay? Are my friends okay? Is the people who work for me okay? Are my teams okay? What's going to happen next? Is the business going to survive? And I think you go, you toy with that fright or flight moment. And then all of a sudden it's like, we've just got to get, we've got to do something. We've got to step up. Like what's next? And I, 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 yeah, there was a fear as well. Obviously you'd 
be looking at you think professionally but then there's also personally as well it was both together it wasn't as if okay something bad happened at work how can we do it but personalized fine it was just the whole combination of both together for everyone though I guess absolutely it does make you realize how resilient everyone actually is as well um I think like at the start like it is really scary but actually you kind of surprise yourself with how you just like get into like a mode of just like right where are we going to go with this and like really kind of like just push forward yeah and I think this this moment has made you have to do that because you can't draw on any experience certainly my generation like like we've never lived through anything like this before so you kind of like okay well we're just gonna have to try we're gonna have to adapt and there's no sort of like roadmap or footprint as to this is what you should do or how you should live your lives or this is the way through this you don't know so it's that constant sort of life at the edge of your comfort zone it's like is this gonna be okay yeah. buckle up it's probably actually I suppose with a lot of things and like there's probably set ways people think think things should be done but even like for example like we're just on bridal and we've seen like the like rule book of how you, when should be is like thrown out the window it's probably like that with like most businesses it's like everyone can kind of like start Im- implementing some change yeah um so in a way it's like it's a good opportunity as well completely I don't and I think what's happened is sort of all the red tape or the traditional kind of approval processes or things that you would have to do to do something have all been removed it's now about okay, how do we survive? What are we going to do? What are the opportunities? So I had a couple of days where I felt like I was just a bit like in that moment. And then it was all, I was like, okay, most of our businesses in stores, we were really heavily weighted in terms of at that time, you know, retail, store retail was very much the heartland of our business. Although we had a really good digital dot-com business, it was almost not second fiddle, but it wasn't sort of the priority versus sort of the retail stores business. So I really had to sort of draw on, okay, what makes our store business amazing? What is it that people love about our brand? Why do people come to Space NK? And then I went through this whole sort of cycle of like, well, how do I get that online? If everyone is at home, how do I bring that experience online? And then that really was kind of where it started the realms of possibility. It kind of went from this like uh, moment into actually this could potentially be a really amazing opportunity for us to support people while they're at home, be on that journey with them and sort of act as sort of a relationship, you know, be that partner. And then I sort of became aware of all this technology that people were starting to talk about. And then it was sort of understanding what the capabilities are of this technology. So even with our sort of events, we always hosted events in store and our events team would be around the country sort of facilitating masterclasses, events with brand founders, launches, evenings in our stores. And I was like, well, how could we do that online? Could we do it online? And I remember asking my team, like, should we start doing, could we do events, virtual events online? Like, I would like saw the response back, uh, yeah. So, and it was like, it literally was these sorts of conversations that then were like, okay, we can do that. Then we spoke to the brands. We were like, would you like to host a masterclass online? And they were like, yeah. And then we were like, okay, well, will we invite people via email? How are we going to make this work? And then it was like, no, that's going to be too a clunky journey for the customer. Okay, well, what do we need to do to get them to book online? And it was literally these sort of conversations so were sort of in real time. Going out. Yeah, happening mm-hmm. in real time. And that we were just, That's like, Rick, so we're like, and then what would happen? And then it's like, you're trying to like, 
you're almost like talking out loud. But yeah. I think for yeah. us, like, 100%, we just adapted and we thought, right, okay, because we ho- host like events in the stores for customers or new collections, like similar to what Space NK do. So we were thinking, how do we connect with that community? So for the first lockdown, we did pretty a takeover of a different humans of Rixo on Instagram. You just We'd just DM people and said, right, okay, we've got a space next Friday for a live. Do you want to do a live? Whether it's something to do with like cooking and you're wearing a product and then our engagement just went through the roof our followers were loving it and it was just a really nice it felt like a really nice community aspect didn't it where people even like people in the office were like oh that's so interesting she wore the product that way and I didn't know you could do that yeah if it was kind of like we did master classes on knitting a scarf or just different things and it was actually really nice for the community to see actually we're just going to make a go of it well we were really similar we launched um a content franchise called together at home And it was this idea that, you know, obviously we are all together at home, but what is the role of sort of beauty in terms of supporting and facilitating the experience? So sort of the idea around self-care, like bath, body, candles, things that you can do to make yourself feel good at home. And then we started working with different influencers. We were like, well, gosh, well, we're beauty, but why are we doing fitness or why are we doing fashion? But it was just like... It just felt natural that we was part of being part of our community, that we wanted to facilitate things that would help others feel better or feel like they could sort of reach out to us and talk to us. We were all going through the same thing. We've had so many yoga classes and everything (laughs) going on on the Instagram. I was like, I'm not sure how this relates to Rixo, but our followers are liking it. So let's just do it, even if it boosts someone's mood. um, Completely. classes. I think (laughs) it would almost be a bit like naive of us to think that people were just like, all interested in like buying a product at that point like it was almost just like people just wanted something to feel a bit connected to someone yeah it's like oh that's interesting or like it was more that I think looking for more community than just like you know your soul like retail business side and like trying to push products totally and it wouldn't sometimes it wasn't even about it wasn't about products it was just about sharing insight and expert advice and we would see it coming through on social because people were at home more and had a bit more sort of time on their hands, would be asking us questions. So then it sort of the whole sort of proposition in terms of transitioning sort of the store experience onto line. I'm like, well, there's obviously a thirst for answers to skincare questions and general sort of beauty questions. So I'm like, why don't we get our beauty advisors online? So then we set up these one-to-one virtual consultations and you could just book in for those online. So it was like book in and connect with someone who will show you how to do a smoky eye, uh, I don't know, give you sort of the perfect retinal, whatever it is that you're looking for, will give you that expert advice and you can book in in a time that's convenient to you and have a one-to-one. And all of this was sort of free. There was no sort of charge. This was just about offering a service and being there for our community. So I think... Adapting our strategies all the way through, it was really just listening and looking at how our community was reacting, what was coming through on customer services, and then continually evolving that proposition to sort of we, be there. Uh, yeah, we done actually a lot of that as well. And we actually started um, like a client specialist in the middle of COVID, which was like probably at the time we were like unsure whether it was the right thing to do or not. But I think we just really wanted like someone to have to reach out to customers and like get feedback like Nikki brings it straight back she'll whatsapp me and tell me oh I actually got some really good feedback today on product um like comes straight to me in terms of fit and I'll go into my fit to the next day and I'm like already implementing it like there's no like huge journey for the information like and she'll tell them yeah I've told all of that like they'd love more of this like yeah they wish they had that and it's nice to have like that communication even if it's is virtual at the moment 
and it's nice for customers to feel like they've got something, even when this is all over, something like, oh, can't wait to get in store and actually get to meet Nikki. And they really feel part of like the brand. Yeah, it's that sort of relationship and yeah. the connection that's been built virtually. Yeah, and even just when it comes to um, like product, we introduced a charity stay-at-home tea. And the way that brought the community together, we even had some men wearing it, like mothers, daughters, aunties, like everyone wearing it, sending in photos to customer care. And it was our biggest unit driver throughout the first lockdown, the stay at home t-shirt. And it was just, wasn't it really nice to see everyone's photos, how they were wearing it, even if it was like a couple of influencers would wear it as well. And it was as if everyone was like promoting that stay at home message, but it was something that they just felt really good about wearing. Yeah. So I think that was really nice, like bringing the community together through things like that. So it's been, I think it's been a real roller coaster of emotion and, you know, everyone has had to go through and experience it in different ways. But I think for us, we've had some of our most creative, exciting moments have come out. So sort of that silver lining, always looking for the good out of a situation that is obviously you know difficult for everyone. But yeah, it's been sort of yeah game changing for our business in terms of what we do and how we do it. And I think it then sort of extended beyond sort of the events and the consultations into sort of the service proposition. Because when the stores were closed and when it was okay to do click and collect, we were sort of like, how do we facilitate that? How do we buy online, click and you know, collect it in store? How does that piece work? And then it was like curbside collection. So you can drive up and someone, because it was all about how did the customer want to shop? What did the community want? What could we do that made them feel safe and comfortable so then there was the curbside consultation and then there was the two-hour express delivery and it was like who would have thought (laughs) yeah and obviously regionally stores different regions within the country are open and closed and different rules and legislation depending in which part of the country we were in so that also then gave us opportunities to try different things and then during covid it'd be really interesting to know what um products or categories performed really well for you yeah, it was really interesting because you never know how it's how it's going to work. And then all of a sudden, we just started seeing products selling out. So after sort of a few weeks, it was like the color touch, sort of the the root Roots. touch up, the color wow, <laughs> because obviously people couldn't get into salons. You know, even my mum phoned me saying, "I'm trying to. I've heard of this color wow. I think uh, you've got it, uh, Emma. I couldn't get. And I couldn't get it for love nor money. I'm like, Mum, we're totally it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> totally sold out. Um, we also saw things like uh, Olaplex number three. So all of the things that you would have at the hair salon for that sort of extra conditioning, the prep on the hair, because obviously people weren't being able to have their treatments, treatments in the hair. So those sorts of products, and then interestingly. Tan Lux was another like tanning Ooh. products. Camilla uses them. Does she? Yeah, one of the girls like she always uses it. It's such a great product because you they've got sort of you can either sort of pip, drop it into your moisturizer or you can use the sort of the body butter. So, but I think people weren't going on holiday. So then it was that whole thing of like Piece summer in a bottle. Cheap <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> holiday. I've, yeah. Yeah. I've got my tan, it's going to make me feel better. I feel a bit great. Probably but some bed shops as well were closed as well. So that would have been because people probably don't admit it, but I'd say a lot of people do use some beds. So I think it was all of those people where you've had sort of professional treatments, like nails, for example. We ended up launching new nail collections during lockdown because people weren't going to have their nails done so we introduced sort of nail berry and like different brands and again you know it's just looking at okay what is the customer doing what are they buying then like adapting our collections to sort of 
fit that sort of demand. So yeah, it was really... We, we've actually found our Zoom meetings, like whenever everyone's getting on, like all the girls are like, oh, have you heard of this? Or like, we're sharing like things that we've been doing. Like what we're talking about some of the baby fit the other day. Yeah, what was we're the like, foot treatment? Some foot treatment. We're like, about. oh, if you can't get a pedicure, this is what you've got to get. baby foot. Baby foot. Mm. Apparently, heard it sheds, it. apparently it's awful. You can't leave the house for three <laughs> days, but it sheds. Apparently, this is a bit gross for people that don't like feet. One of, the, one of the girls. I was um, genuinely like, I need to get this. One of the girls slept <laughs> all in of it accidentally. I know. One of the girls. Um, I'm not going to name her name. She slept in the foot treatment, and you're only meant to leave it on for an hour. And she was like, I haven't been able to walk. For like- she said her feet are just peeling, but apparently, it makes your feet so soft and just lovely. So really, that yeah. will yeah. Have to try that this one. This is some like consumer <laughs> research here. <laughs> I know it's brilliant. But yeah, it was really that sort of surge and sort of at home professional yeah. type products that we really saw that, and anything that would sort of change the ambience in the house. And that actually through the end of this year, candles, baths, yeah. anything that was sort of uplifting, we've really seen um, an uptick in skincare. Because I think everybody's now sort of staring at their faces. We're not wearing makeup in the same way, but you become very conscious of your skin, particularly if you're on Zoom and you see yourself. You can. That's true. I actually say I've probably got more conscious of my skin from just being on like Zooms and stuff and being like, oh, definitely. Because you, <laughs> you don't really stop in the morning Zoom. You're like, oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, but then also it doesn't feel right to be wearing lots of makeup when you're on a Zoom call. So I think people are like, okay, how do I improve? my skin more so we've really seen that seen that sort of demand and surge on the skincare side as well do you have any funny zoom stories for us uh i think well my son makes guest appearances on regular uh his (laughs) he's three and what he likes to do is sneak in when i'm not looking and then make a kind of like boo when uh, so there's absolutely that i do i remember i was burning not when we first went into lockdown my favorite sort of diptyque candle and I had it sort of like on my desk and I hadn't noticed where the fire alarm was in the room and it had been burning all day and we were sort of on a trading update meeting. Of course, I only looked office appropriate from the waist up. I had my joggers and my slippers <laughs> on underneath, really professional. And unbeknown to me, the fire, my candle had set the fire alarm off and I thought it was the fire alarm of somewhere else in the house. So I'm like in the trading update, you know, going through sort of the rigmarole and the numbers. And I could hear all this commotion outside. Next thing you know, my husband, my children, everyone is in the lounge. And I'm like, get out. out." (laughs) And they were all looking at me going... Emma, it's you that set the fire alarm off. So my husband like barged across. Did you just keep on going like nothing had happened? Yeah, I just pretended to get out. (laughs) Then I realised, I was like, okay, put the cat. And then my husband like moved me out of the way, stood up on the chair in front of the screen. And obviously all the faces on the screen was trying to unhook (laughs) the fire alarm. So of course, at which point I jumped up. Everyone had seen me in my joggers and my slippers. (laughs) Do you like... Oh, my goodness. One of those days. Yeah. And then he waved at everyone on the, you know, the computer, left the room. And then I had to sit there, put my headphones back in. By which point someone else was presenting and everybody just looked at me as if to say, oh, my goodness. 
<laughs> it definitely Aww. brings the person out in everybody. Even like when you see like the newswoman like doing the new like doing the weather and the children are in the background. And she's like, get out! It's like, but it's just like everyone's got their own personal lives as well. So I think it is quite nice to just like bring that human touch to like everything that you actually see. Well, and also I think with children and animals, it's almost like they know now that they're not meant to be in there. So I've my view now is just embrace it. All right, here you are. Yeah. Come and sit on my knee. Say hello to everyone. I know you want to. And now it's like now you can go. Now you can go because otherwise you're just going to keep like yeah. money, money. <laughs> yeah. oh. Would you say there's one thing that like stands out that like you're really proud of, like that's made a change to the business that you feel like is a real change and pivotal moment? Yeah, I think for us now we are a truly omni-channel proposition, and that has really been brought through by bringing everything that's magical in our stores and transitioning that online and I think for me that's absolutely something we will continue it's absolutely focused on being customer first it's like where is our customer how do they want to shop and experience Space and K and how do we facilitate that and I think for me listening more than ever before and trying new things and not being afraid to try new things and if it doesn't work that's okay it's like take what you can from that and then move on and try something else. What would you do differently or how could you make it better? So I think that for me has been absolutely transformational. And I think as we come out of lockdown and our stores reopen, it's about continuing to serve the customer in both channels in whatever way that they want to shop us and facilitating sort of the expert advice and the experience and all of those things in the way that's um, relevant to them. And then um, beauty going forward, so post-COVID, when we come out of the pandemic, how do you see that? How do you think it's changed or what do you think it'll look like? I don't know. I wish I had a crystal ball to know what was (laughs) going to happen. Yeah, the magic (laughs) question. I think the role of store, I think we've educated customers, our sort of community to shop in a different way. That said, I think Space and K is really uniquely placed where our store locations are. Most of our stores are sort of are in the heart of the community. So we have yeah, our, our very, yeah, we have our sort of local neighborhood stores. So I really I envisage that those will be the first stores that people will feel confident going back to. The city stores will probably take a little bit longer to come back on because it's going to take a little while for yeah. people to come back offices in, to open and back into like the that, offices yeah. and people to feel comfortable in more busy um, environments. But I do feel I certainly get the feeling that our community is craving that sort of human interaction and that connection and I feel our stores really sort of of play to that unique um, sort of opportunity but also I think for me I'm really looking at the experience that's within the store because I think you'll be get more confident replenishing your usual sort of products at home and online and when you come to the store I think you're going to want a different experience. You're going to want to be able to try products, play, have an atmosphere, have a reason to be in store. So I'm really sort of looking at the role of some of our stores and how we sort of create that theatre, create sort of look at the online to offline experience when you're in store and really look at the role of the store within the community in terms of how we service the customers and provide them with what they want and how they want it um and I certainly for me feel I know that I'm a lot more invested in the area that I live in and like you know we have local area yeah and things like click it local and we've seen I'm certainly around me I've seen all these sort of different businesses pop up that are like really entrepreneurial like 
yesterday I got a note about a refill business and effectively they will come to your house and refill your pasta, your rice. It's a really sort of of cream, clean, sustainable business. So for me, it's like, what are those things that our store can be doing that facilitates some of the things that are that's relevant to the local community? So really sort of personalising and tailoring the store experiences to the look to the local areas. Yeah. So um yeah. Yeah. Lots to look forward to. Yeah, very back much so. But I think definitely it's nice to have that. I think even with our own customer, like in our stores, they get to see the whole brand ethos as soon as they walk through the doors. They kind of, they feel as if like, well, anyway, the stores used to be just basically furniture from our living room and everything all over. So they just really get that personal touch. So I do think people are looking forward to that. Yeah, and it's things I, I know myself, like buying foundation or sort of that complexion products, I feel like I need will need to change them. But I don't know, I get a bit nervous buying it online. Because oh, even though you have yeah. to try you need to see that on your hand or something. You need, you need to, to yeah. And when we came out of the first lockdown, we saw a real surge and people coming in store wanting colour matches mm-hmm. and finding the right shades. Yeah, but some things I feel like you can't beat sometimes in store for certain things. Yeah, it's just that Definitely sort of would agree with that. expert advice. And even though I move my face to the light with a certain <laughs> yeah. camera to try and get the shade it's never quite right when the product arrives so I feel like that for me it's that connection of just having that advice and someone actually being able to see my skin and tell me what I what I need or yeah or what I should be using yeah and just um I think foundation is probably one of the hardest things to get right <laughs> it is it's an absolute minefield so just to close, Emma, is there anything you think that is like the future of beauty that we would love to hear about? Yeah, I mean, I think we are going to come out of this moment that we're living through, hopefully June 21st when we come out of it. I think we're going to see a moment like the Roaring Twenties when people want to come out, have fun, <laughs> get dressed up, the express best. themselves, look dance their best, dance. And I, I feel from that we are going to see so many uh, new trends. We're going to see makeup worn in different ways. I think people are going to be looking to express themselves and feel feel themselves again and I so I'm really excited for me I'm really excited to see what that moment brings and what that looks like and then how we then adapt to serve the customer in whatever that is that they're looking for and help facilitate that change and the role that we have in making that happen I feel like we've been locked away for so long that naturally humans will just want to get out there and just have fun like we've got loads of whatsapp groups already both Laura and I were like can't wait for this day can't wait to do this and it's just like I think is that built up tension that everyone's had so it'll be fingers crossed it's gonna be so strange to just feel like do you know that there's not like a oh we've got it we've got to check is this open or there's too many people at the table or like we just actually feel like you don't really have anything holding you back yeah and you've just got like just do what can do what you want (laughs) and I think also it's that there will still obviously be the nervousness around shopping and being in store and what does that mean so I think the store experience, the future of Arsenal will certainly change in terms of are you on a fast click and collect mission where you just want to come in and get it? Or are you, I want to come in and explore and I want to sit down take and I want to, and I think it will take a while for people to feel comfortable and sort of get back on their feet and work out, you know, which lane they're in and how that's going to, how that then is going to come into fruition and then what that means for us in terms of how we 
um, adapt and evolve. But yeah, April 12th, I'm so super excited to get stores are open. Our store teams will be back in store. We've got some amazing things that we're launching and we're working on the window campaigns and all of those things that sort of been have been on pause. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited excited. about the next year. Brilliant. Well, Emma, thank you so much. It's been really interesting. Um, So thank you so much for joining us. Brilliant. Thank Thank you for having me. I really appreciated it. Before we start talking about plans for the future, I think it would be great to hear from both of you how you feel like Rixo has had to adapt to COVID-19 and how we see the path out of COVID. I think for Rixo, we had to do a complete 360 on everything we were doing. So we were all, I remember the days if it was yesterday, um, when we had to just tell the whole team to work from home, make sure you take your laptops home and your chargers. I genuinely thought it will be a week tops. We'll just, we were just going to trial it. So the first week, we're going to do three days from home, two days in the office and just trial it. So the team kind of had a little bit of experience of how working from home was. And then we just never really came back, did we? The first like month was like really difficult because we were like having to change production. Stores were cancelling orders. Like there was so much like business stuff to get through. But I think once we got over that like first month of just getting things set up and like getting the ball rolling again, it gave us a little bit of time to like re-strategize. So... As much as I think that it's been difficult, there's been almost like a pause to kind of like just allow like our date. Like, I mean, so much of our time is spent just like having meetings, calls, interviews. There's so much parts of the business. I think when you've, you know, from an outsider to, to actually kind of know what goes on, like very founder led business, it can take away from your day job sometimes. So it was nice to kind of go back to like all the things that we've been like dreaming about doing and actually getting the time to like put them in place and not hold back on I think it was a bit like now or never um so in that way I think it like it really kind of like helped us just like focus on the bits that we felt were hugely important that we kept talking about but just maybe never had the time to kind of have the focus on it. I think as well like I know myself anyway you kind of got into a, a rut and a bit of a routine where you were just on autopilot and at the old office before we moved into this office last March, say, I think it was just definitely like you were in your day to day. This is what you did. And organized roles, we were becoming quite separated within the business and we weren't actually having time to actually stop and think about the strategy. OK, where do we want to be in one year, two year, three years? And it was just we were just constantly chasing our tails. So if anything, I think COVID has been a blessing in disguise. Like I think everything happens for a reason. And I really do believe that through this, we've come out as a definitely a stronger business and a stronger team. I completely agree. And I think focusing on that dreaming element, you know, you've had that chance to think, what is the bigger picture? Like, what are the dreams? What do we want to achieve for the next year, two years, three years, rather than just trying to keep up with yourself constantly in that running of the day? In terms of the stores, obviously stores has been a big talking point with COVID. Um, Could you tell our listeners a bit about what your plans are with the stores and any future openings that we've got? We've always had so many ideas about like being a store and an online brand. I know like a lot of people's strategy can be to like just really focus on online and not the store side. But I think like we've obviously started with online but then went into stores. Um, so we've kind of went the other way. But I think for us, like we see it as an opportunity to really be able to connect with our customers um, and like our community. So we can't wait to start doing more events. There's so much around like 
the feedback and the fit and like understanding what the customer wants that we are going to completely utilize when we get out of lockdown that we've already started having a client specialist working virtually we have a bridal specialist working virtually but as soon as the stores open in April I think everyone's going to see the benefit of being able to like bring like what they've already started online and actually like strengthen it in store so I mean Leila you obviously work in our events team as well so it's like super exciting for all of us to like have that second dimension we can't wait to when we open on our stores so we've got the one on the king's road that we're so excited to get to get back on the king's road um and then as all have touched upon we're launching off our first ever bridal store which will just be dedicated to the bridal collection and then also we'll have we'll launch our bridesmaids items in there so we're so excited for that to come about and for all those women that have had to put off their weddings and go through a pretty tricky time during covid we're just excited to bring some positivity do you feel that shopping is going to become, once again, something that people rely on having stores open for? Or do you think that your online market will stay as successful as it has over COVID? I, I think it's going to be like everyone will have like a reason for different platforms, like yeah. as and when. So like if you're really busy and you need something, like you're going to go online, but then you're also going to kind of appreciate the store environment as well. Like I've, in, I've missed chatting to people, like even... Like being here today with like a couple extra people that I'm not normally with, it's actually really nice to like have that human interaction, which sometimes I think you can take for granted. I think that'll be a really nice thing for people. And I think as well, like our stores bring people together. So it'll be like mothers and daughters going together or friends going together or bridesmaids. And it's really nice for a social aspect as well, for someone to be like, okay, it's Saturday, what are we going to do? Or do you want to meet me after work at the Rixo store? And it really is an environment where it's not just all about buying it is just literally about someone coming in and like getting to know the brand seeing the product and they they might then go afterwards once they've tried it on they know the size to purchase online but it is just I think there's so much there's only so much you can get through online um and then when you see the product and see how special it is and try the fits on I think that's means a lot to kind of our Rixo customers I think Rixo is known to be such a physical brand both in like in their stores and also doing events are there any exciting pop-ups that you can tell our listeners about that you're thinking about over the next few years? I'm laughing because we've obviously been discussing these really excitingly. Definitely. So we're dying. We've got an amazing Irish um, customer base. So we're dying to get over in Dublin and have a brilliant like pop-up there. Even we had plans before COVID to go out to Australia and have a pop-up in Melbourne and Sydney during the races, but that all got put on hold. So there's so many exciting opportunities for us when it comes to physical retail, definitely. Something that's been like a talking point for us over this podcast series is that you've been really listening to your customers during this period and, you know, having those people online that are talking to customers. How have you used this knowledge to come up with, you know, launches and releases this year from listening to the customers? I think even this podcast, like before we launched this podcast, we put loads of questions out on our Instagram stories and said, what would you love to hear about Rixo? Like, what do you want to hear from both myself and Orla? Like, we want to be as open as possible with our customer because we kind of would love them to be as open open as possible back to us. So we put a question out there and said, what would you want to hear? And there were so many interesting things where I was like, oh my God, I'm so surprised they want to hear that because obviously Ola and I it's just like our day-to-day we know it's kind of just our bread and butter it's what we do but from an you've almost got to put yourself to an outside perspective and think actually if you didn't know the day-to-day what would you want to know so we always listen to the customers and ask them as well for their feedback as much as possible and actually um quite recently we had I mean it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the most um nicest experience to go through but we had like 
quite like a varied mix like we launched our bridal and it was like a really great success um and then we got feedback like our wording around inclusion they felt like it was in terms of size and it wasn't inclusive and stuff and I, I think we could definitely see where they were come like customers are coming from in terms of the way things are worded and I think sometimes when you are we've got a team like we had like a huge sign off and everything but I think when you're so involved in something for the last like year and a half something can be seem very obvious to you about what you mean in terms of like oh we're doing the full bridal range like you know we're the only kind of like bridal kind of contemporary bridal that's offering everything in like all the sizes straight away that we offer like you don't just go and try on a size eight and have to like keep the zip open at the back to try on an order I think you kind of like almost get lost in terms of what the customers actually perceive in it as so I think we're obviously really open to getting feedback and for us like we actually put things in place to kind of make sure that we've got clarity of wording what we're actually planning to do with like collections and move forward with it it's not just like one of these like bigger corporations that like has a customer care person replying back like oh we appreciate your feedback and we'll let you know how we get on with it like that's actually not what we're going to do like we've already been working on stuff like way before this conversation happened but I think around like ways we can improve like we as a team talk about it like significantly to actually make a change so without a community we'd never get that feedback and I think we're always learning and adapting like Ola and I aren't here to say right okay we're launching a collection everything's perfect like as soon as we hear any feedback that can be constructive we want to delve more into that and be like right okay actually this actually is something we're working on but I think it's also the customer remembering as well that before we actually release something there's actually been two years in the making before that and I think we're like trying to find like different ways to actually allow the customer to talk to us. Like Instagram's great, but not everyone has Instagram. So, I mean, one thing that we would love is like, we'd love something on our website that like allows customers to kind of tell us like how we're doing, what they would like. I mean, it is like a two-way stream. Like the better we can understand a customer, the better we can, as a brand, design, like think about their needs. At the end of the day, like we want the collection and the clothes to work for the customer not just like what's her vision like or lump it is like we want to keep improving so the more that we can like create these kind of avenues of like conversation in any way possible like we will be jumping at the opportunity and it's a similar thing as well like when we look at our journey to sustainability like there's loads of things that we're putting in place and things that we'd want to like share with our customer but it's just about doing it in the right way at the right time and we do have plans and internal talks about everything we can do what's the most sustainable way we can we can do different things or introduce a new category um one thing that we're really excited to launch is our sustainable swimwear and that's 100 percent sustainable so the lining internally is sustainable as well as the outerwear so we're really looking forward to launching that how long does it take from having the initial dream big idea to then doing the planning putting everything together to that and then that final launch day it can take almost years so if we're talking about the swimwear sustainable swimwear like obviously that you've got to find the supplier base first really trust the supplier ensure that when it's sustainable it's actually it actually is and you understand the journey obviously due to covid it's difficult to get out to the factories and see it for yourself but something like that like the supplier conversations would start almost a year before you even bring something to light um and then obviously it's the design and development process i think even like one category that we've been working on is shoes 
and You're giving out all the listeners so much in so many exciting things. We're excited. We're not like at all. We're probably like, don't talk about that. But no, it's great. <laughs> um, but I think like we've been thinking about it for like years because even from the first ever photo shoot we ever done, we had so many customers asking where they could get the full outfit. But I remember someone telling us like, shoe should be your last category to touch because there's so much difficulty with like fit and understanding, and there's so much expense. So trying to find the right supplier was really difficult so a lot of the times like we've all these ideas and like dreams of what we'd love but we do really believe that like the supply chain from like start to finish is like the most important thing to get right for the product to be a success I think then we have confidence in ourselves and our team that we can we can kind of market anything that we really believe in in terms of the product so it's really that's the difficult part is like the external partners that you're like reliant on mm-hmm. um but yeah so the shoes in April it's been yeah, actually two years because I was in touch with our supplier before and even It's perfect COVID. time to get your pedicures as well. So I love them. This as I look at my little, feet, they're absolutely terrible. Little open toe <laughs> sandals that are just to die for. So we're so excited for everyone to see those. And I think in terms of the planning process, this would be a question that listeners would probably be interested in. How far ahead do you plan for Rixo? I know with collections, we've touched this a year, two years. There's two elements, I think, to Rixo. There's one where we like keep, quite agile and want like one of the things that we really want to be is like we don't want to overproduce collections and product and it's really hard to like gauge sometimes what the customer is going to go for so in that way we like to keep things quite tight so that we can react and be a little bit more agile like there's nothing worse than feeling like we're adding to like the stockpile that like retailers put out in terms of clothing so I think we're really actually like mindfully careful of that The other thing is that we do have lots of ideas about where we want to go. And like, obviously me and Henrietta need to like steer the team and like give them the kind of vision that we have in our head. So that strategy is more like long-term, like the overall vision. It's not really like collection to collection. It's more like what the changes are, where we're going and what direction. Yeah, and just protecting the brand. Like we've worked so hard to get to where we are now when it comes to the brand and how people view the brand. So everything we do is for the longevity of Rixo. Like we're not here as two founders to be like, right, okay, in three years we want nothing to do with Rixo. It's such a personal brand to both of us. I mean, it's both our names to start off with and we just absolutely love everything about it. So it's not something that we think, okay, we'll do this and we'll get like a short-term fix and that's going to be great through COVID like if something doesn't feel right to both of us then we just don't do it we've got to protect Rixo as a brand so obviously there's the launching categories and they're only categories that Ola and I feel so passionate about and we know like oh my god we'd love that as a consumer as well and we feel like there's a, a real gap in the market for that um it's so we- definitely got to feel right I feel like in the past where we felt something isn't like sitting right and we've maybe been like forced to do something because there's like a deadline or whatever it's like it doesn't sit right and like even over the summer um I felt like the next collection that was going to be like our out of lockdown collection which is the aerial drop in in March which is going to be like that first summer like this is your I remember like kind of getting into the rough getting it done and then I thought this is just not right there was just something not clicking right with like the story so it was like completely scrapped and restarted and I think like COVID's allowed us to kind of like have that kind of opportunity to kind of like question ourselves as well and like actually let us take a little step back and just reimagine what we think is really right for the brand so but we definitely do have a plan like it's not like a business plan where it's set in stone but as we as we grow ourselves as founders and as the business evolves there's definitely 
a rough outline of where we want to go in the future. Like people say, like, oh, what do you want it to look like in three to five years? And it's difficult to say, like, okay, this is what we want to look like. But there's definitely key things where we're like, okay, we just have it in our heads. And it's just kind of getting that getting that down. This might be a big uh, question to finish on, but what is your what's your biggest dream for Rixo? I'm going to ask you both separately. To see your faces on a billboard somewhere. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> it's like quite the opposite (laughs) one wants to be an influencer (laughs) one wants to be in Times Square (laughs) I'm going to ask Henrietta what's your biggest dream for Rixo biggest dream is for Rixo to become a a global brand and where we feel like there's true value for money for the customers and they can wear just to have a global community of humans of Rixo really I think and just to see them wherever in the world to wear Rixo in their own way and it really to fit into into fit into their lifestyle like there's nothing more frustrating for Ulla and I when we're in the shop and because we we would pre-covid be in the shop quite a lot see the customers to hear people be like oh you probably don't think I'm your customer and I'm like we're not doing our job properly if we if you think that so I want every, I want it to be really inclusive people to feel proud of wearing Rixo um so just growing that community I think is something that's like a complete passion of us and I think like I would love Rixo to be that brand where people go, I always bring that out every single year and it doesn't, I don't get bored off it. Like it's not one of those things where it's throw away. It's like something that you actually have it in your wardrobe and it's like when you see it, you're like, oh, I'm going to wear that today. Like I'm going to feel really nice. It's not something that's just like you have it for a year and then you lose it and you don't know where it's at and it's like you're off to another high street store. But like I want it to be something where you want to, hold on to it like pass it down to your children or you know keep it for someone that you know if it's something that like it's almost like future vintage yeah and, like, really special pieces I think so people have those pieces in the wardrobe where they're like if I want to feel good or confident about myself today I'm going to put on my Rexo dress like there's no, no there's better no feeling. better feeling than yeah going putting something on and feeling really good in it nothing's mass produced like we've got our wild cars that we launch and some of those are literally one of 50 units and they get snapped up within sometimes a day or two days and then you get customers being like oh when are you bringing that back I'm, I didn't get it I, can, I didn't get a chance and we're like some of it's not it's not going to come back like we don't reproduce things and reproduce things like they get launched and then hopefully the people that get those pieces then they're their special pieces in their wardrobe so I think as we grow to keep it really special. Well thank you so much for sharing all of your Rexo dreams with me I'm sure it's so interesting for customers to see the process of how things start in your imagination and become such a big part of Rexo. So Thank you so much, Leila. Thanks so much for listening to Ola and I, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear more. This podcast is produced by Ampix.uk and music produced by LarkRiseMusic.com. Music.com.